The Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce's small business initiatives are made possible by our small business program investors, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas, Cox Business, AGH CPAs and Advisors, United Healthcare, and Interest Bank. and drums, you know it's time for the Wichita Chamber Business Accelerator, powered by Evergy. Join us as we explore the world of business, leadership, and entrepreneurship in Wichita. Learn from local business leaders and owners on how they have built and grown their companies and the challenges and opportunities they met along the way. Coming to you from the Evergy Room at the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce. Here are your hosts, Don Sherman and Ebony Clemens Ajibalande. Welcome to another exciting edition of the WCBA, powered, of course, by Evergy. Don't forget to like us, love us, share us. We truly appreciate you checking us out. Today, we have in the house Tim Young from Heartland Dermatology. He's in the studio to tell us about what's going on over at Heartland. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Hey, we appreciate you being here. First, tell us about you. So I am a um, engaged as a consultant in my present role here as uh, as the CEO in a contract employee way. And what I what's interesting about my background is that I have a specialty in strategic planning, okay. and so I come in and help organizations with their strategic plans. And often those are, those result in lofty goals and aspirations, and they will you know often ask me to stay on board and engage with them in terms of being able to execute that plan. And that's sort of how I came to uh, Heartland and I'm now been in Kansas for the last three years is I did a strategic planning project for the owner of the organization and he saw an opportunity and seized that opportunity and engaged me in this accordingly. Make sure I get this right. Okay, you come to be a consultant for Heartland and now you're the CEO of Heartland? That's right. Wow. Well, you, that, it's not the first time it's happened, actually. Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so what all went, if you can share without being proprietary, mm-hmm. what all went, how did that happen and how long did that take to transform? Sure. So the, the, the strategic planning process for an organization is, is the same for all organizations in terms of the process itself. The context of the environmental analysis is very different for healthcare than it is for IT industries or other types of industries. But that process itself takes, if it's done well, and there's been no history of it being done repeatedly, it's about a 90-day process, and that's that's okay. a, that's a pretty aggressive timeline. And so I'd normally tell folks that um, it'll take about 90 days to gather sufficient information, conduct the necessary number of interviews, and that depends on who all you identify as stakeholders in this process, because you really need to talk to the key stakeholders of an organization. And those stakeholders are not just owners of the organization, obviously. It's the people that you serve. It's the, and when you look at healthcare and you ask that question, you've got employers who they think they're sponsoring the majority of costs for healthcare. And so they've got a stake at, at the table. And you got, of course, we think of customers as patients and they, you know, they have interest. And um, so you have to do interview, sufficient number of interviews for each of these stakeholder groups, of course, then owners, and then associates, which are team members, et cetera. So that process is the same. It's the context that, that, that changes and what's going on in that environment that's different. And so 
Um, so you go through this process. It's 90 days, and uh-huh. you get to the end. There's a lot of trust having been built because you've been through the battle with these folks, right? Exactly. They've seen and, dis- and disclosed to you all the private things that they could about if they could dream really large and big without any limitations, what would that look like? Then also, but what are our limitations internally with respect to either talent or you know capabilities or otherwise? And so when you can, you synthesize that, you help them make sense of that and then organize that into a cohesive set of business actions that enables them to create a different future, then suddenly they believe that you're the one who's got to help them achieve that, right? Right, right. And so uh, that's sort of how it's evolved in a number of organizations. And that's, that's what I love to do. Right. So you you were a consultant, but now you're a CEO of Heartland Dermatology. Uh-huh. Tell us your background. How did you get there? Sure. Education, all that. Sure. So yeah, I've got an undergraduate degree in medical technology and pre-med uh, at the same time. I've got a master's in, in uh, health planning. Okay. And so my master's was really where I learned this strategy and planning process and sort of didn't, I didn't master it there. You know, it was in grad school that you were exposed to all these planning techniques and you know, thought leadership about various methodologies, et cetera. But for some reason, it became sort of my specialty. I've always had an interest in strategy and business development. And so um, I became sort of known in community as that person when you need a uh, an individual to conduct a you know, an aggressive and also sometimes a, a, you know, a real strategy and plan in which, because some organizations aren't, don't want to face the reality that they're presently in. And so mm-hmm. they need someone to come in as a catalyst externally and who can shake it up a little bit and make, you know, kind of require that they confront these realities with the market or what have you. I became known <laughs> as that person and so did strategic planning for a lot of different organizations. I did it for, of course, the company that I was the CEO for for 20 years. Uh-huh. And, um, I was a CEO of a healthcare organization that I helped start for 20 years. Okay. And that's what I did for that entire time. We never used outside consultants for strategy and planning because I, that's kind of was my forte. Right. And that resulted in three spinoff businesses. Wow. We did a global capitation arrangement, which was effectively assuming the responsibilities of the payor and the insurance carrier in our marketplace and had uh, the largest Medicare risk population in the nation for quite some time. I mean, they were talking larger than Mayo Clinic and larger than Cleveland Clinic and these types of organizations. So we it afforded me the opportunity to really exercise those skills. Then you start doing it. I did it uh, strategic planning for the city council and for the school board for eight years. Okay. Here in Wichita? No, in back where I'm originally from, which is, Wh- which is where? Knoxville, Tennessee. Knox- okay. Yeah. And how did you get to Wichita? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, there's all kinds of great stories, but a former chief operating officer of mine who was an outstanding individual was in, um, she specializes in risk management. And so for healthcare organizations today, she does these things that are audits of records and things that, you know, oftentimes can get physicians and healthcare providers in, uh, you know, in uh, jeopardy if you if they're not done well. So she does this and she's a, a witness for the, the government, an expert witness for the government. She's a specialist in this. And so she was engaged here with the, this firm to do their work and on an annual basis just as a preventative thing. There was nothing going on, just as a preventative thing, which is what she does. And the owner kept coming to her and asking her questions. These questions were all strategy questions. And she said, I told you that's not what I do. Wow. <laughs> but I know somebody who can help you. I just don't know that they've got the time to do it. Okay. And so she called me and said, would you mind to just have a conversation with this gentleman about uh, what he's got going on? And I think you will find it worthwhile. And so that's all she would say. And she and I have got a long uh, past, and she's never led me somebody that wasn't wasn't appropriate, and not nor have I her. 
And so I called and said, you know, and the first thing that the physician that I was speaking with said is, I just want to tell you, I don't like to talk on the phone. So this conversation will probably be pretty brief. And about two hours later, we hung up the phone (laughs) because he was so engaged and was interested in what I would argue is a sort of a different worldview as to how to approach the business opportunity that I saw from looking externally at the marketplace here in Kansas. Wow. Wow. This is, this is intriguing because I mean, you were hung up your own shingle and was doing your own thing. And then you go work for somebody, giving them their 90 day, uh, what they're paying for. And then they say, we want you to lead this. <laughs> that, that's crazy to me, but that's, that's it, pretty cool. It's a very inf- interesting conversation because he said to me, he said, we have met, and I don't know who we is, but at the, we've met and, and we want you to be the one to do the execution. And said, what, so what will it take to get you to Kansas? And I said, with all due respect, you don't have what it will take to get me to Kansas. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so where am I three years later? And it's yeah. loved it. It's been a fantastic experience. But uh, So you've been here since? Let's see, 2019? 19. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, welcome to Wichita. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So we know about you. Tell us about Heartland Dermatology. You you did the yeah. research on it and gave them the 90-day plan. Where is Heartland Deter- uh, Dermatology now? Yeah, so Heartland the- Dermatology, when I arrived, was had, had about six locations in, uh, throughout the state of Kansas, but most of those are concentrated in about three locations. Um uh, they were headquartered in Salina and had outreach clinics in certain you know, places like, well, they have a clinic, full-time clinic in Dodge City and another one in uh, Great Bend. And then there was otherwise had outreach clinics in McPherson and a few other places. That was, an, I think, an, effect, an effective strategy for them at that time. But as we looked at the marketplace, there was a great need in the state for dermatology services. Dermatology, not, a lot of people don't really realize that it's an underserved specialty. There are very few uh, places where the concentration of dermatologists are commensurate with the with the population, and those places are all in in high urban areas. And so, you look at Kansas, for example. There are no examples where that's the case. Right. Let's let's dive into that a little bit. Tell us what dermatology covers. All that dermatology will sure. cover. So, dermatology covers things that are. Simple things like skin rashes. I like to think of it as all things related to skin health. All things related, related to skin, skin health. health. And so think about that. You think something as simple as a rash that's undetermined as to what exactly that is to something that more progressive, perhaps that's temporary, though, like acne that we you know, a lot of folks experience during you know adolescent years and others to then chronic conditions that they take care of, psoriasis and other conditions that really are life-altering if, and have to be carefully monitored. And then, you know, also, and what people don't realize either is how much skin cancer there is that exists. Skin cancer is the number one cancer in the country. Wow. It's the number one cancer. And if you live long enough, you're likely to get some type of skin cancer and will have something removed. Wow. And so, and if you live, li- live long enough in an environment where there's lots of sun, you will definitely have something that needs to get removed. And, uh, and so you think about the, all of the stars are sort of aligned in that respect with Kansas. You have a high concentration of farmers. They were having lots of sun exposure when they were young and in early years of their life when they didn't, there wasn't such a thing as sunscreen. Wow. So they didn't know how to protect themselves otherwise. And so now those, those same things that they were exposed to have manifest themselves as some type of skin cancer, hopefully something that's not terribly invasive, 
not melanoma, but basal cell or something else that can be easily managed and taken care of. So that's the spectrum in terms of the medical and surgical parts of dermatology, but it's a pretty big spectrum. There's also this new area of all things skin that are that's in this category that we call aesthetics, and that is image-related mm. services, services that are skin-related or skin-driven uh, that may be laser, that may be you know skin peels, and it could it could you know be a number of different things. It could be you know fat reduction uh, uh, technology, and there's all kinds of innovation happening in that space where people are investing in themselves in order to gain a greater self-confidence and to be more effective in their work roles and in their you know personal lives and otherwise. And so that is a uh, uh, significant area within dermatology itself. And it's something that I, I know we sent a, a press release here to um, the press about this recent acquisition. We just did an acquisition of the largest aesthetics company in this in Wichita. They're oh, really? now members of they're now members of Heartland Dermatology. Okay, excellent. So that's Troutman and Richardson TNR Aesthetics. They started in April of this year and uh, they're now a part of Heartland Dermatology as of April of this year. Nice. Yeah, and so that whole aesthetics area is like very grow, you know, it's very much a growing area and is one in which um, we expect that there, you will see a lot of growth in the future because people are spending more time in front of video cameras. Mm-hmm. They're more. I said that during the pandemic, they invested in their houses and they invested in themselves because they've never spent so much time in front of a camera. Right, right. Excellent. <laughs> and when you're in front of a camera, you see all these imperfections, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And you, you do. Especially <laughs> high definition TV. That's right. Pick up everything. So, that's right. And so oh you're like, God. I need to get that corrected, and I can get this <laughs> removed, exactly. and all this stuff. Yeah, and so that's why uh, I say I got a face for radio. So I, I, I think I'm good. I, I think it would behoove us to. For our listeners to know, you said skin cancer is number one cancer. Mm-hmm. Help us understand what we can do to avoid skin cancer. Or so, yeah, yeah, it's a very, very issue. good question. And you know, the biggest issue is if you can avoidance, avoidance of this thing called the sun. It's yeah. just a very hard thing to do in most, you know, practically speaking, in most environments. We love the sun. You know, we love a lot of outdoor activities that are. Involved in the sun. So, what can you what can you do now that you couldn't do when I was young? Is you can use these things called you know that are sunscreens that are very very effective. If you apply them regularly and you use good products, then they can prevent those harmful rays from disrupting your skin. And what that those rays do is they cause a distortion in your cells that begin to become cancerous. And so that can be prevented with the use proper use of sunscreen. And what I believe there's a rating of sunscreen that you help us understand that. What would yeah. should we use? So you know, if you're if you're, it depends on your exposure time and and, and also maybe the your complexion and uh, there's there's very there's factors that I think make a difference in terms of what you would what are recommended. But if you're a fair skinned person, then you probably want to use you know 15 or greater. Okay. And most most uh, moisturizers that you that you use daily, if you use a moisturizer every day. Most of them are going to have something like SPF 12 or 15, per, you know, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Okay. A lot, of, a lot of them do. Not all of them do. Right. So it's always something good to look for, something that you're going to use daily. It's a good thing if it has some kind of sun protection in there because it's natural that, you'll, that, that you will use it. If you have to, if it's a different product, it's always, oftentimes people don't use it as much as they should. And so, uh, and there's a wide variety of, uh, of different products within the context of those, those sunscreen protectors as well because... You've got, you know, 
very inexpensive brands that are may have more oils and other things in them that uh, people don't find necessarily conducive to their skin type. Okay. And then you can go very high end expensive ones that are, you know, that we sell in our office that you know are prevent. You know, they call they you can leave with a matte finish, so you don't have any oil, you don't have any kind of uh, allergic risk, and or if you're hypersensitive or have sensitive skin, none of those reactions occur. And so, wow, uh, yeah, that's. This is interesting. And sun's a damaging thing. Yeah. So skin cancer is caused by the sun or overexposure to the sun. Is that a yes? A non Yeah, no, it's, it is. It term. is. And, uh, that's the largest reason why people develop skin cancer. Okay. Factor fiction is the lighter uh, complexions are more susceptible to skin cancer than darker, or is that the only thing? They're they're more susceptible to severe burns. Severe burns, okay. and so those those examples where they're not adequately protected, they can get more. Um, they can have more severe burns, but um, it's the it's the exposure they relate that's when you're young that then manifests itself differently. And so if you're, I mean, you should still use sunscreen today, no matter mm-hmm. what your 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 age. But it's so important to use it with children. Excellent, excellent. It's so this important is- to use it with children and to reapply it if they're if they're swimming. You know that's going to be a lot of it's waterproof, but uh, it, it, it will have clear instructions on it about how long it will last in terms of being protective. Right. Uh, you know if they're active and in the water, so you have to reapply it. But it is very very effective. You can prevent a lot of sunscreen, a lot of skin cancers today that you couldn't prevent before. Okay, and we appreciate you sharing this. When we bring uh, folks of your profession in, we have them give us tidbits beyond yeah. the business. We want to know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've had mental health people can and stuff yeah. like that. Well, so. we do skin cancer screening too. One of the things that we do that is um, a bit unique is that we partner with health systems and or uh, some, in some instances, air, you know, regional uh, health departments to conduct skin cancer screenings in communities in which there's no access or availability of dermatologists. Wow. And so we do a lot of those in, 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 areas that we have offices and we now have, you know, 14 offices in various locations and throughout the state. And so we do a lot of that, but we also go into these communities where there are not active dermatologists and do skin cancer screenings and people can come and no charge to them. We will do a skin cancer screening and, you know, our folks will look them over from literally head to toe and see if there's anything that's suspicious there that they need to take action on. Wow. Wow. It's a very high percentage of people too, who come through those that do need some kind of follow-up. Wow. That's huge. That's thank you for doing that. And uh, we're going to roll into a break, I believe, and we're going to get into the business side of your business, but we appreciate those tidbits on health for our listeners. Use sunscreen. (laughs) Yeah. Use sunscreen. You've heard it here first. Hey, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and we'll be back with Tim Young with Heartland Dermatology. At Evergy, seeing energy differently starts with thinking differently about its impact and then committing to doing better every day. As we continue to expand our investment in renewable resources, capturing more wind, gathering more sunshine, we're able to generate power that's cleaner and provide it to you more affordably. Reliable, sustainable, affordable energy that puts you first. That's everything to us. Evergy. The Utility Company. As a convener of people and ideas, the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce continues to extend our reach and maximize our efforts to provide the best possible business environment in our region. 
Your partnership is imperative for accelerating business success. We invite you to visit wichitachamber.org to learn more about the benefits of membership and become involved with our efforts to provide success for our members, leadership for our community, and prosperity for our region. Visit wichitachamber.org and follow us on your favorite social media platform. Welcome back, folks. We're here with Tim Young, Heartland Dermatology, and he was giving us a scoop about dermatology. And one of the things I want to ask about is skin tags. Now, you had mentioned aesthetics earlier. Is that aesthetic or is that medical or what's going on there? So it can be it can be either and depends on what the situation is. It can be something that is um, and the distinction is whether or not it is medically necessary to remove it. OK, so some of that is doesn't have any kind of cancer or any type of uh, it's only benign. And so there's no real reason to necessarily remove it, except that it may affect someone's self-confidence or someone's you know, appearance. And so, but the, different, the distinction is that insurance companies don't typically pay for those things that are not medically necessary. That okay. doesn't mean that you can't get them done. You can get them done and we're happy to do them for you, but it is going to be a personal charge. And so some people choose to live with this or to, or to take, you know, a different point in time when they, you know, when they're in a different position to be able to take care of that. We have, Situations, though, too, where what might what maybe appear appears to be a skin tag externally is, in fact, once biopsied, it does have some you know pathology classification to it that is, mm. and and in those instances, health insurance do, companies do pay for those and they will remove them. So, but you can't tell if they they have cancer or whatever in them unless you do the biopsy, right? Not typ- you typically have to do a biopsy. That's the only dif- differentiating way to know for sure. Some things that some things the clinicians are so good at because they've been so you know they've seen so much of it, they can do a really great job in predicting that too. They can tell you, I'm confident this is going to be something that we need to remove. Really? Yeah, they're great. Wow. Um, they so, get they get to a point where they see this stuff so regularly that you know there's characteristics that are unique to uh, that. So folks are running around thinking that that's just a skin tag, it's, it's just a tag. And like we were talking earlier, everything shows up on high definition TV <laughs> now. It does. So, uh, but your advice to somebody that has a skin tag without being an alarmist, what what should they do? Just let a professional look at it one time. If you do, if you go in and have a skin check, they're going to look at all these things on your body, and they're going to determine if there's something there to watch, or if there's something there to to worry about, right? And so sometimes you just watch things, and a lot of the things that you're watching. Never change. Wow. And wow. so, uh, but I would say let a let a professional did make that determination initially, and then you have a better peace of mind about what you're doing. If if it's something that's you know aesthetic and you want to take care of, then you can. But you don't you don't have the fear that there's something else there that's maybe worsening without your knowledge. Excellent, excellent. We appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And uh, now you've been dropping a lot of knowledge on this <laughs> today. What made you? get into this profession in the first place? You know, um, I sought to define that myself about 15 years ago and didn't know how what, what the process might look like. And so I, um, I was working with some professional coaching at the time. I've always had a professional coach, or for the majority of my professional career, I've had three different coaches. But one of them suggested that I consider a sabbatical to spend a couple of, some time at dedicated to exploring what what's my true north, if you would. Okay. And so um, I took a seven day trip, and where which, which was kind of very introspective, 
And it had just, the other thing that happened is I had just had an opportunity to speak to, in addition to this, this coach that I referred to, this person who was a, uh, a clairvoyant. This is a person who had been sought by numerous uh, presidents of the United States as, as advisors because this guy has this innate ability to help people predict the future and get to see things. It's a weird, it's a bizarre thing. I never thought there was anybody that liked that. And uh, it happened to be someone who very renowned at that time and in this. And so I thought, well, I'll go talk to him. It's an interesting kind of situation. I had a good friend who, who recommended I see him. And his wait list was like two years long. And this good friend got me in immediately and kind of said, you need to just talk to him. I just feel like you need to talk to him. Okay. He revealed so many great things about my purpose and helped me see what he what was this this purpose driven kind of life that I was to lead and uh, and so I went on this sabbatical and it became so abundantly clear that it was about quality of life that my role here and anywhere that I serve is to is with organizations whose agenda it is to principally improve the quality of life of people they serve and so once I kind of you know realized that since then it's been easy to engage with organizations and or you know anyone because that's I just need to figure out how do you do what you do and what and what difference does that make in someone's quality of life because it's not about quantity in healthcare we talk a lot about you know life expectancy and changes in mortality right. and morbidity but it's really not about you know quantity of life it's really about maintaining quality, quality. of life and so what are you doing to measurably improve at scale the quality of life for people and if you're if I think you can be I can certainly be very fulfilled and energized by that. And so we try to help our associates all understand what their contribution is in our organization to improving that quality of life. And when you see people who come in with cancers that have been disfiguring in their face mm-hmm. or their, and they've got scarves that they can't be seen in public without someone pointing at them or mm-hmm. someone, and they are diagnosed and are treated and have surgery that day in, an, in the office, they leave that day with, a bandage, but with a, a new promise about the rest of it. And they come back in two weeks, and you can hardly even see that a scar, much less right. this. Dis- it, it's changed their lives. They are able to, wow. you know, experience things that they couldn't before. And you know, so this quality of life thing is a. Um, it's sort of the nucleus of my uh, compass. Wow! <laughs> wow! Well, thanks for sharing that. And you had mentioned about your employees. Let's talk about Heartland. What yep. kind of culture are you rolling with over there? You know, culture is such a, a, a challenging uh, you know, concept for many organizations. Because often, you know, culture is really the unwritten expression of an organization acting out its core, its core beliefs. Whether or not they've even articulated those core beliefs or not, many of them haven't. But it's what I'd like to say is how things are done around here. Okay. Because that's the reality. How are things done around here? That's what really your culture is. And I often go into organizations and ask them, what do you celebrate? Tell me what you celebrate. Because whatever it is that you celebrate is really what you value. And so when you hear them talk about, we celebrate milestones with, with employees. If they've met their 20 years, we recognize them, we do these things, whatever. Then they truly are serious about their commitment to their workforce. But if you see on the wall, you know, a lot of framed dollars that represent their first you know, million dollar mark, and then they're you know, $20 million mark, and those are dollars that are framed on the wall, it just says something different. It's not a bad thing necessarily, depending mm-hmm. on what the nature of the organization is. But my point is, it, it tells you what they celebrate is what they value. Right. Those values then manifest themselves as, as culture. We um, are a product of the merger of a lot of different organizations. We've 
you know, we acquire groups that merge with us, and then then we have to mer- merge them culturally. Correct. So <laughs> it's, you have to be very deliberate about that. And what's interesting is that uh, the way that process works is that you um, you have to create a shared a shared purpose and future for these people who have not heretofore been working together. Correct. So you, ha- the way you do that, there's a number of ways to do it, but um, you have to convene them in settings in order to get that done. And, you know, we merged in, uh, in Wichita, for example, and in January, we started operations here in Wichita and in April, the pandemic hit. Mm, Suddenly yeah. we had had one meeting with the new people that were coming on board, one meeting, and then suddenly we were prohibited by law of gathering with people greater than six. Right. So we were kind of hands tied behind our backs, literally, as to how we how we could affect that. And so it was a great challenge for a year. And we did and we did have some issues that we knew and that we would predict. But that uh, we uh, I can pl- proudly say today that we have a culture improvement plan that manifests itself as a. Uh, in, as an employee engagement program. Right, right. And that we do every year and that has got as much detail in it as our strategic plan has and is as closely monitored and executed as our strategic plan is because you never stop, you never stop managing culture. It's not going to be what you want it to be unless it's, you're intentional. Correct. And, you, you know, the strategy should dictate, should dictate the kind of culture that you need to be effective in achieving that future state and then prescribe to you what and how you should begin about go about developing that. Our our um, culture is really one of about three things. First, it's about safety. There has to be a culture of safety in an organization. And I'm not talking about workplace hazard safety. I'm talking about safety in which any employee knows that they can put anything of issue on the table and can it can be discussed openly without collateral damage and without risk of retaliation. If you don't have an environment of safety, then what you won't have is you won't you'll never have this um, you know this sense where people will engage and and learn. And this is the key part of this. We have so many organizations talk about their mistakes. They should. Great organizations talk about their mistakes because it's only when you talk about mistakes can you get better and can you prevent them from recurring. You have to have safety to be able to talk about mistakes because people will not put it out there if they think there's a fear that they're going to be exposing themselves or a member of their team. And so we have systems by which we do this in a, in an enterprise way and make it safe. It's so it's safety. And then it is learning because you can't, if without safety, you won't be able to talk about those things. And then lastly, it's engagement. We really are seeking engagement among all of our associates, our physicians, our employees, our, you know, partners, et cetera. And uh, we find that those prerequisites are necessary to really gain, to get engagement. And so engagement is sort of this holy grail that everybody's trying to reach. And companies that report higher levels of engagement have better business results because their people care about right. the work that they do. And so, and they take greater efforts. I can give you an example. We had a, have a, we have a physician assistant who's excellent. We have a lot of excellent, talented, advanced practice providers. This physician assistant detected that on a patient of hers that this he was very anxious about the surgery that skin cancer that mm-hmm. she had diagnosed and that he was going to be enduring. And on a day that she had taken off, she goes, picks him up and brings him to the office to, for his surgery, spends wow. the entire day with him in the, in, in the surgeon. And it was with his family taking, you know, taking him home. And that's engagement. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and there, I could give you other examples of like that too, but, uh, 
those are the kinds of things that culturally you have to make, you have to create an environment that's conducive to enabling that to happen. That's, that's, wow. That's phenomenal. As we're getting ready to wrap up here, what's on the horizon for uh, Heartland? So I mentioned earlier that the, there's a shortage of dermatologists in, in the country, but there's a particular shortage in the concentration of dermatologists in rural markets. Mm. That's, that's, is America. You know, we have so many, so much of where people live and uh, that's also Kansas. Right. And so when you look at, at the, at the marketplace, what we needed to do was to figure out a way, how can we not only continue to provide the services in these rural areas that we need to, that people have come to rely on us for, but how can we grow that and expand based upon this additional need? And so what we've, what we've done is uh, we are partnering now with some education uh, organizations uh, to affect future residency training for dermatologists. And we'll be hopefully expanding the number of residents uh, that will be geared toward remaining in Kansas when they complete their training. Excellent. Oh, man, that's good. That's the distinction because there's there's a training program that has not been successful at keeping people in Kansas. We've got a, an alternative program in partnership with some that we believe will have an impact that's really going to make a difference. Wow. That's exciting news, and I think you heard it here first. You always get the scoop here. So <laughs> we appreciate you being on the show, Tim. We got one more item we need to cover. You've given us some knowledge. We truly appreciate it. Now it's time to have some more fun. Okay. It's called word association. <laughs> I give you one word. You give me one word back. It's not wrong because it's your word. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Leader. Bravery. Nice. Success. Customer. College. Fun. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's another show, probably. <laughs> Failure. Learning. Entrepreneur. Risk. Wichita. Great. Vacation. Paris. Hero. I'm sorry? Hero. I got choked up on the Paris. I'm sorry. Hero. <laughs> Admirer. The Chamber. Innovation. Family. My children. Fun. Food. Last but not least, and you got to tell the truth about this one, and we definitely want to know what it is. Beverage. Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> By the way, it's my signature, so uh, I will have it probably everywhere you see me. Okay? It's nice. funny. Everybody makes the fun of these the kind of these things that they're called Timisms, these things I try to teach them in quotes and various things. But this has become one. Yeah. I see the green cup. I, I got it. I got it. Tim, we truly appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for dropping knowledge and uh, giving us some information, especially about skin cancer and things like that. Thank you for coming through. Thank you. Folks, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Hey, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and uh, share us with your networks and uh, tell a friend. Till next time, peace. The Wichita Chamber Business Accelerator is brought to you by the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce and is powered by Evergy. Visit wichitachamber.org for a list of the area leaders we've interviewed for this series. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. 
For more information, visit ictpod.net. The Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce's Small Business Initiatives are made possible by our Small Business Program Investors, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas, Cox Business, AGH CPAs and Advisors, United Healthcare, and Interest Bank. Thank you for your support of small businesses. If you are interested in learning more about small business investment, contact Angie Elliott at A-E-L-L-I-O-T-T at wichitachamber.org. 